This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another Red Sox Hot Stove edition of the Bastards of Boston. We're going to be kind of rehashing some Eddie Rodriguez stuff. We got Charlie and Job. They were not on the last show where we discussed him rejecting the qualifying offer. So we'll kind of wrap up our thoughts on him, the deal he got with Detroit. And then we will get into Red Sox free agent talk. They missed out on one player today. We'll get into him. He went to the Angels and uh, one potential middle infielder that they are reportedly linked to. And uh, I'm not a fan of it, so we'll see what Job and Charlie think. How are you, gentlemen? I'm doing great, thank you. The hand signals are, are failing right out of the gates. We're getting Today, lit up. for one. We're getting lit up on you the know, we got to get that chemistry rolling at some point, but uh, it's been a while since we were on a show together. So I know Andrew and I were doing the last couple together. I was I forgot what uh, Job looked like. It was weird. I haven't been on it in three weeks. I'm, I'm feeling a little left out here. You know, I'm excited to get back into it. It's been Welcome that back. long. It's I been think at least so, two. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was Andrew and I back to back. I think Andrew, you and I did two or three in a row. Gotcha. So yeah, so. Getting chilly out. I, it, the feels like temperature up here in Maine, which is you know very close to the Arctic Circle anyway, twenty seven degrees. So could use some little. We're at about thirty five down here. Thirty seven yeah. here. Thirty five in DC, Joe. Is that where you are? Yeah, DC has okay. got some serious wind chill right now. Feels like oh. is no good. Oh, gotcha. You're you're a world traveler, so I don't know where the hell you are. That's true. You know, I'm trying to, my goal in the off season is to do a different show in different location every week. There Let's you see go. if I can make it happen. You know, I'm and you'll be able to make it happen. I love it. Yeah. Okay. I had a joke, but it wasn't kid friendly. So, um, one of the few moments I, I actually had a filter. So. Let's get into some Eduardo Rodriguez talk. Our timing for the qualifying offer was perfect. I just didn't know he was going to sign a contract 12 hours later, which was eight hours after we recorded, as it turned out. So, Charlie, little surprised that his market moved that fast? Um, yes and no. Uh, I didn't see him going to Detroit. I'll say that much. I thought the team that he was going to end up going to was out in LA. Uh, I thought that this was going to be a year that Los Angeles ended up spending uh, a little bit more for pitchers because they hadn't. They missed out on Bauer. They they decided to uh, add Rendon a little while ago, and it just feels like all they'd been doing was just adding bats. Um, 
the reason why I'm a little bit surprised is, I don't know. I think I think it's just like the psychology, like around Erod and and the fact that he's been with us for five six years now, and listening to the show, all of us talking about it. Eh, it'll be a couple of days. It might be four or five days to less than twenty four hours. So I'd say a little bit surprised, but only because. We've been pretty good about like information and when players are going to have um, made decisions and whatnot. And it was a rejected the QO, signed a new deal. It felt like it was five minutes in between decisions that were made. But when we were notified or when everybody found out, apparently he'd already rejected the offer a couple days prior and nobody knew. Um, am I happy that he decided to get paid? Uh for another team, he's getting an additional eight hundred and I think eight hundred fifty thousand over the course of four years. Doesn't really uh, in this deal, Joe. What did you think? Well, here I am on mute, and here I am looking at at the contract just to make sure I had this right. I don't see an opt out. I know it's been reported there's an opt out. Mm-hmm. I don't have that in front of me what year that is, but that changes drastically my opinion on the deal. Uh, here it is: opt out after twenty twenty three. So. He's going to make $20 million, um, or about 15 4 actually, for the next two seasons, and then he's going to walk. He'll be 31 years old, and he'll sign his second free agent deal. Um, so good for him. He's going to get paid. I'm, I'm not happy that the Red Sox didn't offer him that same deal. Um, I think we are in a better position to compete in Boston with Eduardo Rodriguez in the rotation. Uh, and I feel like this is a little bit low. We were talking about his market all season. I know I was one of the guys who thought he was going to get paid with a capital P and Terry was on the other end of that spectrum. Um, but I just feel like that the Red Sox didn't do enough to keep him. I'm a little bit upset about that. That being said, no one should look at this as, as more than a two-year deal. I'm extremely annoyed because there was a wide range. Now, when you say capital with a capital P, I don't remember what your figure was, but Andrew was as high as about 125. He thought that could I, think potentially... I, was, I was about 118. Yeah. And I was thinking 60 to 80, you know, as the off season started, if the extension happened earlier in the season, I, w- I would have expected it to be even more team friendly than that. But he ended up coming in basically right at the top of my range. And I'm like, why was that so ridiculous that we weren't competitive? And I I seriously think, not a lot of people agree with me on this, but I don't think he had a cozy relationship with Alex Cora. And you saw the stuff in the, in the ALCS where he was making fun of Correa with the, the My Time thing. Yeah, and... Um, I just, I think he wanted to move on and the Red Sox didn't seem to express any desire in keeping him. So go ahead, Charlie. So one thing I remember talking about with you and Andrew on one of the last shows, I I can't remember uh, what night it was or how many episodes ago it was within the last two, three, um, where I asked Andrew, I said, do you think 369, 367 would get done? He said, yes. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be paying this man 23 per. I don't want to be paying him any more than 20. But because originally before the season started, we were talking about 5-125 minimum. 
minimum was what we thought he was going to be getting. And then slowly but surely, he started pitching his way away from 125, 100 million, 95 million. I didn't think he was going to get more than 75. I thought he was going to get maybe two year, two and one. Uh, if he's lucky, 60, 64 million, a little bit more than the QO. The reason why I'm I'm disappointed that we couldn't compete or at least come close was you have Chris Sale, you have Nate Evaldi, you have question marks everywhere where that number three slot was. And I know Joe wants to say something too. Yeah, I mean, I agree with the question marks. I think the Red Sox are much less competitive without Erod. Erod set the market. I think he set the market low. I mean, he's the first one to sign a deal. We saw uh, Berrios take a team-friendly deal in Toronto uh, today as well. But no one should look at this deal and say, okay, it's a five-year deal or it's a seven-year deal. No, it's a two-year deal worth $31 million dollars. And he makes $3 million in incentives on whether or not he is going to start 25 games. So if he stays on the roster, he's going to make $34 million in the next two years. And he's not a Bloom guy. 17 per for Eddie Rodriguez for the next two years. I would have done it. But I understand that Bloom doesn't want to pay guys. That's That's been his MO. That's who he is as a baseball guy. And... Um, the way that I view this contract is he could have stayed with Boston and probably made similar money, but now he gets to go be the ace in Detroit for two seasons. He's going to be their number one, maybe their number two. He's going to work with a pitching coach that he came up through the minor leagues with, and then he's going to opt out and make a boatload of money in 2024. I'm curious to see how he does in Detroit because – I would call them a big market, but it's still not the same as Boston. The The pressure is still not the same. And I just wonder if he'll get a little lax pitching for Juan Nieves again, who was the pitching coach for the Red Sox in the 2013 championship season. Erod hadn't, hadn't got to the Red Sox yet. So people are saying, you know, he's been reunited with Nieves, which isn't true, but uh, Carl Willis was the was the pitching coach when Erod came up, but I, I'm just kind of curious. I, I know that Spencer Turnbull kid is a top of the rotation guy. I, I have a feeling he'll probably emerge as as the the true ace of that staff. I've got some suspicions. Justin Verlander might go home to Detroit. Long history there. His manager from Houston, AJ Hinch, now in Detroit. Makes a lot of sense, and they could probably use one more guy. So I'm just curious, but from the Red Sox standpoint, I'm just a little frustrated because I have a feeling Bloom's going to bring in some guy like Steven Matz, who's going to be a complete wild card, and I'd be willing to bet Erod has a better year than Matz. And by June, we're like, we could have had Erod, very affordable deal, and we passed up on it, but... Job, you you just said something. You know he's he's not Bloom's guy, and I think Bloom loves the idea. I've said this in the past, not that recently, that he wants to get rid of as many of the Dombrowski holdovers as he can. Raphael Devers doesn't have a, an extension yet. He I think he kind of forced the issue this year. I mean he's a top three or four MVP guy. 
we'll find that out in a, another day or two. But um, I just think I think they whiffed because, uh, and I'll wrap up my take with this: we don't know what Tanner Houck is. We're hoping he's a starter, but we don't know that yet. Connor Siebold might not be a bona fide major leaguer. Doesn't have the velo, and. Not optimistic there. Who do you have? It, Groom's still a ways out. We don't know what Josh Winkowski is yet. I'm not even sold that Garrett Whitlock is a starting pitcher, uh, that he will eventually be. He could, there's no way to be sold on that. Yeah, he could hold one inning uh, for at various points in, in the last couple of months in big, in big spots against teams like the Yankees and whatnot. So the, the safe play, in my opinion, was to re-sign Rodriguez. But the interest wasn't mutual on either side. So, any uh, any other thoughts? Or Joe, go ahead. Just just one last thought. I thought, and I was pretty clear on this: the Red Sox needed to add an arm, even with Rodriguez. They do. So I think this now puts you in a position where you need to go out and get two arms. There aren't two quality arms that we can pay for on the market. So. Hein Bloom is going to have to do what he did with Tampa and go out and find somebody who's somebody else's garbage and turn him into a starting pitcher for this team. And Charlie and I are going to have to sit here and talk about Garrett Richards and how much he sucks and blows for the next year, but with somebody else's name in front of it. It's it's going to be, I think, an interesting ride. But uh, I don't think the Red Sox can win this division next year after this contract was signed with Eduardo Rodriguez, because they won't be a big player in the free agent pitching market. They they were not going to win the division this year, not after Toronto over, like they're loading up, it's stupid. Toronto's going to be an easy favorite to win the division this year with the addition of Barrios, not even for just half the season, the whole year. I this have those team... odds though, Terry, I mean, uh, Charlie, if you want them. I, I pulled those odds up there, minus 120. So that's a favorite. Bet one hundred and twenty dollars, win one hundred dollars, as the yeah. favorite to win the American League East next year, and they are plus one thousand for the World Series. That's the fourth best odds in Vegas to win the World Series next year, north of the border. And that would be only behind what teams outside of L.A., Atlanta? It's L.A., Atlanta, San Diego. Oh, the Padres. Yeah, and Duh. Toronto. Right. Exactly. Isn't that crazy? I can't be a believer. Just behind them are the Rays. In San Francisco, uh, San, San Diego, though. Charlie, any final thoughts on Erod? No, you know, here's the thing. He he was super frustrating. He had moments of, like, Josh Beckett syndrome, where you'd have, like, one good start, one crap start, or, like, one good season, one bad season. Any, any, any way you want to look at it for him. Um, Erod's had two, three two, three good seasons. And then um, he's had a, like a really good one. Uh, that being 2019, that was right before the madness of uh, myocarditis and all of us trying to learn like what that was all about. Uh, and he had arguably his second best season this year. Um, I would be lying if I said I'd, I'd boo him. I'm not going to boo him if he comes to Boston. I'll, I'll still cheer for him. You know, I'll give him his due and that's it. And then I'll boo him once he's pitching. But I'll be thankful when he's there. He wanted to get paid. And I do not think that the the romance was still there past the first month of the season. I think he was ready to leave at the beginning of this year. It is what it is. It's okay. 
Just a, a final thought here, and, and Terry, you're probably gonna hate this thought, but don't don't say Strowman. Don't say Strowman. No, no, I'm okay. not going there yet. All right. I'm not even going with where we go to fill the void. I just want to mention that I think Eduardo Rodriguez has a chance to win 20 games next year in that division. I I think he's gonna pitch to a 3-5 ERA against those crappy teams in the American League Central and probably still win 18 games. There's a chance he wins 20 games. I don't have the charts up in front of me, but that has to be in the top five or six most pitcher-friendly parks, I would think. It is. It's, uh, I don't have the charts either, but it's one of the biggest parks in the, um, you know, in the bigs. And if you look at the AL Central record from last year, you had the Indians were under 500 by two games. The Tigers finished about eight games back. Uh, of that and then the Royals and Twins both lost 88 and 89 games the only team that that is any good is the Chicago White Sox so when you think about it he's got a pitcher friendly park he's got a manager who I think is very good uh, in AJ Hinch and then on top of that he's going to be pitching against some of the worst teams in the league in Minnesota Kansas City about 36 times next season so he probably pitches against them each four times that's eight wins right there It'll it'll be interesting to see how he does, but I I very much expect him to, um, you know, have a have a pretty decent season. And don't forget his expected batting average at Fenway Park. Uh, excuse me, his he's a pitcher. His expected ERA at Fenway Park was in the upper threes, and that that's it ended up being a full run over that because he had the some of the worst defense in the league behind him. So I'm not – I haven't paid a ton of attention to, to Detroit in the last several years because there's been no reason to. But um, they could very well get a Correa-type guy. I, I think they're going to continue to spend. And that's a team – if you think about it, in 2013, you knew at the end of the season, everybody knew it was Boston, Detroit, ALCS. The, they knew that's what it would be. And – Detroit's kind of on a similar trajectory as us in terms of being a, a powerhouse. And we could see some ALCS rematches in the future. And, <laughs> you know, it, it'll just kind of bring back uh, old memories, I guess. But let's talk about a guy who was signed today by the Anaheim Angels. And it's sort of relevant because the Red Sox were in on him. So that's a very locked up front office that we've had uh, in the Bloom era. So you don't know which way they're going to go. But Noah Syndergaard signed with the Angels today on a one-year $21 million deal. So he rejected the qualifying offer for roughly $3 million less than that from the Mets. Sounds like an Angels move, but the Red Sox were in on him. If the news came out differently and it was the Red Sox who signed him, Charlie, what would your thoughts have been on that? Oh, my God, we just spent $21 million for a guy that's only pitched in two games in two years. Oh, my gosh. Um, Thor is a great pitcher when he's healthy. And by healthy, I mean in 2018, 2019. Um, It just... 
it's going to be interesting because here's the thing. If anybody can get a career resurgence and like really capitalize from it, it's this guy. If Noah Syndergaard can stay healthy and give you 160 to 180 innings, that's him at like 75%, 80%. He's still going to probably have a career uh, career year. Now, pitching in the American League is a little bit different than the uh, National League. It's not in every ninth batters at Bobby Dahlbeck. I mean, uh, the pitcher hitting, easy strikeout. Um, it's going to be interesting for him. He'll have to make some adjustments and whatnot. But he's going to be playing in still a large market. Los Angeles is huge. Is it the Dodgers? No. Is it going to be someone that people are going to be watching? Absolutely. He is going to he's going to fill seats in LA. I'm curious to know how quickly and I'm knocking on wood here cuz I do like Thor how quickly it'll be before we see him on the IL for 4 to 6 weeks or 2 to 3 starts. You don't know what it's going to be. He might tear something and be done all over again. Well, crazy no, signing no team ruins arms like the anaheim angels you know we pretty much we just took that flyer on garrett richards who had spent most of his career hey i mean this guy just had surgery didn't pitch in the majors this season is not worth 21 million dollars if he's healthy 21 million dollars is a bargain because you should be paying this guy 25 to 27 million if he's healthy he is an ace on a lot of stats. He's never healthy. Um, I would expect that the Angels are not done, but I think setting the market this high is a mistake. Um, I was upset to hear the Red Sox were in on him. I think that is the opposite of what we want in a Heim Bloom move because, yes, it's a reclamation project with huge upside, but that's a lot of money. And if you're going to turn down what is basically two years of Eduardo Rodriguez for $30 million, you can't go pay this guy 21 a year. I would have been out on him as well. I'm even stunned the Red Sox were in on him to begin with because he's going to have an innings limit in 2022 for approximately 120 innings, being that it's his first season back from Tommy John. Same can probably be said for, for Justin Verlander for wherever he lands. But I, how do you utilize a guy who's only good for 120 innings? For comparison here, Garrett Whitlock pitched 73 innings. So you could start Syndergaard in somewhat of a long relief role. And then if you're looking like you're going to make the playoffs, if we're fantasizing about beating Tampa and Toronto... Uh, then maybe you can ramp up Cindergard in, in August and September to get him starting games by the time October gets here. Another guy who was utilized kind of uniquely was Tanner Houck. He pitched 69 innings, four innings less than uh, Garrett Whitlock. So that would be how you'd have to utilize him. You couldn't start games with him because – if you do it, he's done, what, by mid to late July? <laughs> it doesn't take long to get to 120. So I just, I don't 
know what really why the Red Sox would have pursued him. And as far as it being an overpay, he still had his $18.4 million on the table as far as the qualifying offer went. That deadline is, I think, 5 p.m. on Wednesday, which will be today for the the audience. The so Well, uh, here's how I put it, Terry, is if you are him, you want out of New York. If oh, yeah. Any player with a free agent contract, you're not accepting an offer from New York if you could take something elsewhere. So he knew his market was going to be – a prove it market, frankly, right? This is a prove it contract, but it's not prove it money. And either way, you just don't want to be a part of the New York Mets right now because that's not good for anybody's image. Charlie, any other thoughts? I mean, you're talking about Hauk and Whitlock. Am I still the only one that's pumped about Hauk? Am I still the I'm only one that has say. faith? I'm, I, I'm pumped. I have to. If all right, if I'm putting my eggs in anyone's basket. I'm putting it in the guy who took the league, albeit a weird, however you want to look at, BS season 2020 when he made no mistakes. He made none. The only run that he allowed that was earned was a home run in three starts. And people could say, oh, beginner's luck, whatever. Following year, didn't really have it. I want to believe that he's going to make the adjustments that he – I want to believe that he's going to make the adjustments that he needs to make in order to be in order to be successful. Because before this season started, I said that this year there was a chance that Hauk was going to go from the five to the three. And I was thinking, what if Erod doesn't come back or he retires because of myocarditis? Who fills those shoes? Because for depth, LOL kids, it's not there. It's really not. So one of these guys has got to hit. Why not Hauk? That's what I'll, I'll say is my final note. I, I'm pumped on Hauk. I just think even with Hauk, and even if Hauk does turn out to be a number three, you need another arm. You just do. Oh, there's no question. Starting pitchers. There's no question. Right now we've got four. Ish. Yeah. And, three and a half. Yeah, yeah. I desperately want him to be a starting pitcher. I, I want – that to be the story of his career. And I'm not going to get excited until there's a couple spring training starts where he's featuring a third pitch and he's getting outs or throwing strikes with it at least. And that's what I need to see. If we don't get through spring training and, and he still has two pitches, optimism takes a dive and I'm going to, be somewhat resigned uh, to believing his future is probably in the bullpen. So we'll see. I think he is a better starting pitching option than Garrett Richards. And Garrett Richards right now is your three. So that's, that's where I stand on this rotation. I think you need one arm minimum, two arms if you want to compete. And they're probably going to sign two guys you've never heard of from the trash heap. And based on how Heim Bloom's trade deadline went and the guys that he got there, there's going to be no pressure from anybody in Boston uh, to go sign big-name people. I mean, the three of us would like to see guys we know can play, but the rest of the market is just going to think that whoever Heim signs is going to work out and they're going to eat out of his hand for the next year. Because this guy has a cult-like following 
that I've never seen in any Boston sports franchise except the Celtics, considering he hasn't won anything. I mean, to get that kind of respect in Boston, you need to win. And even then, I mean, Dombrowski won, and we're ready to throw him out on his on his uh, ass two years later. And I've said on Twitter many times in the past several days, Hein Bloom needs to act like a big market GM finally. There's no reason for that not to be this winter. So if there's anything to take away from being linked to Syndergaard, well, maybe they are looking. Last season, we were linked to Charlie Morton early in the offseason. So many of us believed, okay, all right, they're they're looking for a, a top-of-the-rotation guy. And then it was it was Perez, and then it was Richards. Uh, you know, that's a far cry from Charlie Morton. So, so it's tough to get a read on this front office, but at least they're looking. And, oh, my God, if it ends up being Marcus Stroman – no, I, no, I, I'm going to have no. to have substitutes on the podcast for me. Uh, you know, my, I love Marcus Stroman. Oh, that I makes love him. absolutely you know why? one of us. He hates the Yankees. I can't wait for him to sign with Toronto and dominate the Yankees for the next two years. And we're going to crush him. He's played for Toronto. He was average there. I mean, I think, he's, no, no, I, I love it. I love it. I want excuse him to me. play for somebody and be average. Sorry. I should say, for old Toronto, because new Toronto is totally different. They have, like, the Bash Brothers times three. Um, if, if Strowman comes, uh, I don't know <laughs> if we're going to be able to have a show. Um, but my, my also my fear is I hope the Red Sox don't turn to the Angels, where it's like, oh, we couldn't get a bunch of pitchers, so we're just going to sign hitters, and we're just going to hope to just I, have home run derby. Now. That was 2015 Red Sox. That was the Hanley Ramirez, Pablo Sandoval oh, signing uh, year. 2008, same thing. No, that just, was a good it, year. We, no, we went to the. We, we could. We went to the ALDS, but we had no pitching. AL. That was all hitting. We went and got Jay, We went and got uh, Jason Bay. Right. I mean, that was that was the year where we're just like, all right, we we couldn't get any pitching. Let's just go get hitting. Well, no, we had. I just don't. Beckett, Lester, um, Dice K had his best career year ever, 18 wins, and. Uh, I don't know who else we had. I think Buckholtz was going back and forth. But we, we got one game from the World Series that year, game seven. So, Charlie, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I mean, that's that's just basically what I'm trying to say is that I, I hope that we don't balk, for lack of a better term, on pitching. We just we're unable to make the, the additions that we need to look and, and be competitive and the the options end up leaving us with okay just get hitting or you didn't get anything we need we per you know job mentioned it already we, we need to get extra arms we're not going to be able to cut it with what we have so we need to do more we need to do better it's early i i just uh, my optimism that we'll get somebody before the december 1st deadline for the cba when that expires is is not very high. I'm very pessimistic that we'll we'll land someone in the next few weeks of significance. It could be a. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm in no rush to sign pitching. I mean, the CBA is not going to change Heim Bloom's outlook on the season. But we're going to have two very quiet months in December and, and January before it gets finalized. So I just it would be nice if the anxiety level was a little lower. Is is all I'm saying. And before we move on to the next guy. Don't rule out a trade. 
because maybe that's how we get our guy. It'll probably be a middle of the rotation guy, but um, but that could who is happen. trading pitching though, Terry? Like no one's trading pitching. Well, Cincinnati for will. cost. Uh, uh, yep, they got a lot. Um, and there's uh, at least one other team. Uh, oh, Oakland uh, has a, a, a few guys. Bassett. Um, who's that guy? I always forget his name. Frankie. I want to be honest. Uh, I want Montes. no part. I want no part of trading anyone from from our organization to Oakland because that person will turn into David Ortiz, <laughs> and we're gonna have to watch it for ten years. I would love to see someone like Castillo in a in a project come to Boston and that's going to take that'll probably take something special but if he comes to Boston and he can get recreated into what he was before 2021 uh, oh my god Castillo Sale Avaldi name your fourth pitcher and Hauk yeah why why not I'd, I Dude, that would be disgusting I wouldn't mind a Castillo trade but yeah, so of course we who wouldn't mind it. But what would it get it done? It's it it would cost. He didn't do well last year. He was awful. It, it's like um, what was it? there was actually you no. Know funny enough, I'm drawing a blank right now on his name. He was an Oakland pitcher. Then he went to Cincinnati and did really well. Sonny Gray. Thank you, Sonny Gray. Uh, Sonny Gray was a great, and then he just flamed out. Then he went to well, Cincinnati he went to and refound himself. <laughs> He did. You right. go to New York, you lose you lose yourself. That's just the nature of uh pitching for the Yankees. Lance and he Lynn, himself. Lance Lynn went to New York and was terrible and was great before, great after. So and now one of the beast. worst pitching one of the worst pitching uh development programs I think in baseball is in New York. Yeah. And Yankees fans hate to hear that, but it is true. I mean every guy who goes there, their ERA spikes and they can't wait to get the hell out. Um and I think that's going that's going back. I mean, San Diego hired Larry Rothschild, and they moved on from him. They're like, nope, that, that's it. No more of that. Yeah. And then they went out and got a legitimate manager in San Diego. So I, people just know you, you can't have the Yankees pitching program. Because <laughs> not Phil, where did Phil Nevin just go? It might have been Arizona. I can't remember. But, yeah, he, he's their latest castaway. Uh, and then the Mets manager, Luis Rojas, has now taken his spot as third base coach for the Yankees. So I thought that was interesting. But, all right, finally, uh, last free agent Red Sox have been linked to. This is in the last 24, 48 hours. Former Cubs, I think he was, spent a lot of time at second base with the Cubs. Javi Baez got traded to the Mets last year, involved in a controversy where the fans were booing the players, so then the players started booing the fans, and it just was very ugly for a few days, and the players all got yelled at by ownership, and Baez was a big part of that. But, Charlie, go ahead. Thoughts on Baez? Do you want him or no? I, I, that whole ordeal of booing the fans, like thumbs down to the fans, it wasn't like disappointing so much as it was just – odd like it was just weird and like you might be able to get away with that in like the faux new york team with their fan base that won't fly at at fenway you can't do that that's a major no-no that's career suicide do i want javier baez 
at what cost? That would be my question. I've got two projections. Because here's the... Do you want to hear those okay. real quick? Sure. Two projections. And then I'll keep... Okay. Spotrack, they're very, they're very different. So wait till you hear them both. Spotrack has it eight years, $193 million for Baez. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors, which has become a very reputable list over the last several years, has them at five years, $100 million. So I would do that. I would do five at $100 million for Javi Baez. Someone that has the flexibility, positional uh, flexibility of playing second, short, third, and potentially the outfield. The past couple of years, he's just really been playing short, but he can still play second. And earlier on in his career, he also did play some some outfield as well. I'm I'm okay with five at hundred. I would be willing to do that, absolutely. And you don't you could put like an opt out after year two, and front load it for a little bit if you want. I'm okay with that one. Where the what was the other one you said? Nine, eight years. What? Eight years, one hundred ninety-three million. I think it's gonna. Hell no! It's not. He's gonna get signed for more than a hundred. It's it's probably gonna be in the hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty range minimum. I think. That's what I was gonna go. Yeah. So, what what are your thoughts, Job? In or out? At five one hundred, I feel like he's a very movable asset, so I would take that. Um, but anything over that. I would say no. And even that, I don't really want him. And let me put it this way, right? Charlie said it won't fly in Boston. It barely flew in New York, and that's the Mets. Like, that's a fan base that's used to sucking wind, and it it barely flew there. It is not going to fly in Boston. He's used to being loved. He's one of those guys that needs to be loved. He will be a great player for the insert franchise with no fans team. Like, he'd be a great Montreal Expo because he needs to be loved. And in Chicago, he won a World Series in 2016 at age 23, and no one was ever going to boo him his entire time there. You need to succeed in, in Boston, and I don't know that he can handle that in this market. I'm big time out on Baez. Um, I, he led the league in strikeouts in 2021, yeah, 184 strikeouts, his career on base percentage, 307. Not good. That's worse than, Bo- well, probably going to be worse than Bobby Dahlbeck. Let's put it that way. I'm just, it's a waste of money. I think he's from Puerto Rico. So there's, I think a connection with Alex Cora, their fellow countrymen, uh, potentially a, a connection with Vasquez as well. But I don't I don't want to go that route, really. I think I said in the very last podcast, we're close enough to Nick York. If you factor in that we got one more year guaranteed with Xander, I think York could be up as early as halfway through 2023. He's in high A Greenville right now. Portland's the next stop whenever he gets sent there. Pawtucket, he's flying through the system. So why spend big money when you're going to have that guy for 500000 I just wouldn't do it. If they are going to spend, there's one guy I could live with, and that's Trevor Story, who's projected to get a five- or six-year deal in the uh, $125 million range. 
I would go with a guy like him. And that should be a movable contract as well, Charlie. So the one thing that I found interesting about Baez, because he had these like streaky moments, he doesn't walk a lot. You already mentioned the fact that he strikes out a lot. He doesn't hit that many doubles. That's the other thing. He doesn't get doubles. Like, I don't ever remember hearing him get one. And I'm looking back at his stats. I was like, oh, wow. 547 plate appearances, 18 doubles. Wow. That's not a lot. That's like a weird statistic. That's a very odd statistic. But say, for example, okay, 500 may make some people feel uncomfortable. Would you be willing to do two at 50? No. Out. Terry? Uh, I think that's really unrealistic, but I still wouldn't. I don't think he'd sign that because right. he wants four or five years of, of, you know, he wants to have a little bit of confidence coming from that team too. But it's just like interesting. I had to take a double look at that. I was like, wait a minute, 18 doubles in 2021? Really? So it's just, He's got some very unique statistics. He's got power. He's had 30 homers in his career multiple times. He's hit the 100 marker once. He has struck out 100 or more times in six seasons or five seasons. So there's that. So is there the clutch gene? I don't know. Like, I just, uh, you know, it, it felt good for a little bit, but. He really only had that 2016 World Series run that was special. Outside of that, not screaming playoff hitter either. Guy hasn't really done anything either. Well, he's he's made the All-Star team twice, 2018-2019. He was MVP runner-up in 2018, which surprises me because he hit 290 with a 326 OBP. Now, he did hit 34 dingers with 111 RBIs, and he probably had off-the-chart defensive metrics because he is a a great defender, and perhaps that's why Bloom might be somewhat attracted to him because we have the worst infield defense in Major League Baseball this year. So so perhaps that's kind of driving it a little bit to to shore up that uh, defense in between Devers and, and Bogart. So I'm still out on him. I still want no, I don't want to spend big money for any middle infielder this year. Go get an outfielder. Just pitching. Give me pitching. Pitching. Give me pitching. Everything else I don't care. I have to have one outfielder. I, I, I'm not going to shut up about Castellanos until either the Yankees sign him or Miami signs him or something. But Nick Castellanos is going to go to a team in, in contention. The team that I have my eye on is the Milwaukee Brewers. Their offense was the worst offense at producing runs in the entire league last year. They obviously have Jackie Blackhole Jr. uh, (laughs) out in center, who's a black hole on offense and sucks everything up on defense. Um, So I think that's a fit for them. I I think Castellanos as a brewer would make a lot of sense. They're a really small market payroll, so it'd be a little bit of a stretch to me, but there's a a definite fit, and I love the Brewers, so I I wouldn't mind seeing that uh, myself. But, but yeah, so I'm out on him. The Carlos Correa talk is never going to die until he does sign. (laughs) I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm out, out on, on that. Yeah, I don't want Correa. He's no, thank you. Projected. I saw another one today on MLB trade rumors. Ten years, three hundred and twenty million for out, out, out. Sign that ten-year deal with with Rafael Devers, please. Yes. Jesus, that's uh not a bad idea. But he's not a Bloom guy, right? So who knows? All right. Well, we will wrap on that. We'll probably be back maybe this weekend or early next week to discuss some uh, more developments if uh, anything arises or perhaps some rumors that that have a little bit of uh, momentum behind them. So everybody have a good rest of your week. Take care.